We have been doing a series, the Christian Center Values. Every group, every organization has uh, rules, laws, things that they live by. Some are written, some aren't. And most organizations don't have written rules. Like your family, it has rules. Um, the church is the same way. We have rules. We're calling them values. Yeah, I need you to tweak me a little bit. This is sounding really funny to me. Try it again. It's getting better. He'll fix it. He always does. Value number one. Biblical authority. We believe that the Bible is God's word and has the ability to show us a better way to live if we are willing to put ourselves under its authority and adjust our lives to what God reveals there as true and best. This is value number one because it's our foundation. It's what we believe. We believe God's word to be true. And when we have questions about things, we turn to God's word to find the answers there. Value two is relational intimacy. No matter what you have done wrong, we believe that by grace through faith in Jesus alone, it is still possible to be reconnected back into intimate relationship with God. Because we believe we have a creator and are therefore created, we believe that our creator created us to have a relationship with us. And we believe the best way to restore, to reconnect that relationship is by Jesus Christ. Grace through faith in Jesus alone. Value three, intentional apprenticeship. We believe that following Jesus involves implementing a strategy to enthrall yourself with God and eliminate any obstacles or responses that stand against God's good intentions for you. So because the Bible is true, and the Bible reveals to us that faith is available through Jesus Christ, we believe as followers of Jesus Christ that we need a plan, a strategy, intentional living to uh, do what's necessary to shape us into the image of our Creator through His power. And we do that by enthralling ourselves with God. That means that we have a strategy to love God. And uh, I don't know what your strategy is. My strategy is to be with Him. And as I am with Him, I become more and more enthralled with Him. Every day as I learn something more about Him, I'm drawn closer and closer to God. And that helps me to eliminate obstacles or responses that stand against God's intentions for me, His good intentions for me. Value four, authentic community. We believe that living life together in a safe Me Too community is the best opportunity for pursuing truth and grace and experience in the life that God has in mind for us. Just as in God's word, it reveals in the very first chapter of the book that God is in relationship with himself. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, let us create man in our image. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. God had relationship before you in the triune headship of God, Father, Son, Spirit. Now we come along in that, created in God's image, and we need relationship too. And that relationship is with each other, as we are the fellow members of Christ's body. Jesus is the head, we're all the members of the body. 
And we believe that living life together in that kind of a community is the best way, best opportunity for pursuing truth and grace and experiencing the life God has for us. I need you. You need me. We're in this together. And the me too part, I know people who have made a real mess of their life. Don't you? And you know who I know the most about who has made a real mess of his life? Me. So when we say me too, people come in here with broken marriages and broken dreams and broken lives, and they're welcome here. You know why? Me too. Me too. I made a mess of my life too. And, and so... It's not like we are the saved and the qualified and the best ever and they. It's not that kind of relationship, is it? It's much more like this. I was a beggar who was looking for a meal. And I found a meal. And so I want to turn to the other beggars I know and say, hey, come over here, I found a meal. That's much more the expression of me too, right? Where we say, I know. I know, I did the same thing. I know. Let me, let me introduce you to Jesus. Come and see what Jesus has for you. That's what this authentic community is about. So here we are. We're a family. We need each other. We know that the answer is Jesus. To whatever the question is. But what do we do now? It's wonderful to be needed, isn't it? Let's say my house was on fire. And it was burning down. And I called you to come to my house. Most of you would do the same thing I'm doing. Stand in the yard, watch the house burn and say, Oh no, oh no, oh no. But some of you have access to the fire truck equipment. And some of you could bring the fire truck to my house and put the fire out. That's the kind of help we need, isn't it? When my house is on fire, I'd love to have you come and stand beside me and watch it burn. But I'd be much better off if you would come and help me put out the fire. Wouldn't I? Value number five. Gifted service. We are committed to being the kind of people who reflect both the purpose and the personality of Jesus by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us for the benefit of others, both inside the church and outside the church. It's wonderful to belong to a group of people. We need to just belong, right? We need the authentic community. But we are in authentic community with people who are gifted. You. You are the gifted one. And that's the kind of gifted service. We're committed to being the kind of people who reflect both the purpose and the personality of Jesus. Authentic uh, community and intentional apprenticeship. Trying to live and be like Jesus. What's it mean to live and be like Jesus? Well, to reflect the purpose of Jesus. So what is the purpose of Jesus? 
Well, when Jesus was asked that, actually they didn't ask him, he just stood up and said it. He said, I have come to seek and save what was lost. Seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus' purpose is. Jesus said that he had come to heal the brokenhearted. He said that he came to bring freedom for the captives and to open the eyes of the blind. He said that he came to make the deaf hear and to make the dead alive. To bring restoration to all things. That's Jesus' purpose. And so, we're the kind of people who reflect that purpose. When we do what we do, it's because of Jesus and his purpose. Now this is a short little list that I stole from a couple of verses. But it kind of covers and encapsulates the, encapsulates the idea, right? What's Jesus about? He's the Redeemer. He's the Restorer. He's the Savior. And so the things that we do, we do with that same kind of purpose. To help. To restore. To put out a fire. Or to build a house back. Right? To bring restoration. That's Jesus' purpose. But what's his personality? Well, I would say that Jesus' personality is one of authority. It's interesting to me, one of the comments that was made when Jesus would get up to teach, they would look around at themselves and say, Who is this guy? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's boy? What's he standing up here? He preaches like a man with authority. Jesus has authority. When Jesus went to the temple to clear it out, he cleared the temple. Why? Because he spoke and acted like a person with authority. When we reflect the personality of Jesus, we are acting on behalf of Jesus. We have authority to do things. Not authority over people. Authority over evil. And authority over things that are attacking us. The personality of Jesus is one of love. Everything Jesus ever did was because of his love for us. And when we reflect the personality of Jesus, it must be for love. Sometimes bad things are going on and we want bad things to stop because they annoy us. That's a terrible motivation to change bad things. The reason we want to change bad things because we love people. And then grace. I am constantly blown away by the grace of Jesus. His unmerited favor. The other way of putting that is Jesus never ever gives me what I deserve. <laughs> now see, some days I'm glad that I don't get what I deserve, right? Right? But then there's the other days when I think God's holding out on me and not giving me what I deserve. And those are the days I have to remind myself of God's grace. He never gives me what I deserve. He always gives to me based on his blessings. Um, 
personality of Jesus is truth. Jesus is always true. Jesus is the most truest man you will ever meet. Everything he says is true. His truth is the kind of truth that sets people free. Jesus never uses the truth to harm you. He uses the truth to set you free. Jesus is a friend. Jesus, creator of the universe, savior of all mankind, king of kings, lord of lords, over everything, and he says, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. Jesus is your friend. When we reflect the personality of Jesus, we're friendly. And then joy. Jesus always brings joy. Jesus brings joy when the sun shines. Jesus brings joy when the snow blows. Jesus brings joy. In your blessing and in your suffering, Jesus brings joy. And so, as we're doing these uh, gifts of service, as we're being the kind of people who reflect the purpose and personality of Jesus, what does it look like? It means we're offering restoration, life, and freedom. It means that we're coming with grace and truth and love, that we're bringing joy, that we're being friendly. That's what it means to reflect the purpose and the personality of Jesus. How do we do that? We do it by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us. We have been given gifts by His grace. Not what we deserved, but what God's grace gave us. You have been given gifts. So we have been given gifts by Jesus, and then we've been instructed to use them. I want to read some verses with you in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Peter said, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may, be, you may pray. As I get older and older, this verse becomes more and more powerful. The end is near. The end is near. I should be sober. It does not mean I don't have joy, and it does not mean I don't have fun. It means I'm aware of what's going on. There's a battle raging. The end is near. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So here we are in this authentic community, living with each other, knowing the end is near, and that we love each other deeply. You want to cover over sins, yours or others? Love. Love deeply. And offer hospitality without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You have been gifted Use your gift to serve others. Why were you given the gift? 
Why do you have that gift? It's to serve others. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So if you have been gifted and your gift is to speak, the words that you are speaking are the words of God. How's this work? Let's say that God has a big box of chocolate. For some of you, it's dark chocolate with chewy centers. For me, it's milk chocolate with peanuts and other nuts in it. All right? So here's this box of chocolates that God has given you. What does God want you to do with this box of chocolates? He wants you to serve others with his box of chocolates. Whose chocolate is it? God gave it to you so you could serve others. Now, many of you, if you had a box of chocolates, you'd be more than willing to do that. If God laid this box on your lap, you'd say, this is from God. Here, help yourselves. It's much harder to do when we're talking about gifts that are not something you can hold in your hand. Like maybe your gift is administration. Or maybe your gift is prayer. Or maybe your gift is showing mercy. Or maybe your gift is cooking chicken noodle soup to give to your neighbors. Or maybe your gift is teaching Sunday school. Or maybe your gift is leading people in praise. Or maybe your gift is cleaning the windows. What has God given you as a gift? That's the only question. After that, everything is clear. What does God want you to do with your gift? Use it for other people with the power and the strength of God so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. What has God given you? might be easier to answer a shorter question. What has God not given you? It's a shorter list, isn't it? Who are you? What do you have? Those are gifts from God. What does God want you to do with that? Use it to serve others so that he'll be glorified. In everything you do. You see, when you use the gifts that God has given you, which begins with your very identity of who you are as a man or a woman, and flows through all the physical talents you have, the spiritual talents you have, the material possessions that God has given to you to control, all of those things He has given to you for one purpose, that you would use them in His kingdom so that he would be glorified. So, back to our uh, value five. We are committed to be the kind of people who reflect both the, excuse me, both the purpose and the personality of Jesus 
by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us for the benefit of others, both inside the church and outside the church. So, I'm telling you, you've been given gifts. And I know that you know this. So what's it look like to use these gifts for, uh, for the benefit of others? Well, Jesus explained it like this. He said there's two groups of people and some of the people are on the left and some of the people on the right. And then he said this in Matthew chapter 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So this group on the right, Jesus says, come on in. I've got a kingdom that's been prepared for you. This is your inheritance. It's going to be incredible. And, and why? Verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Jesus said to this group on the right, Because I had needs, and you met my needs, come on into your inheritance. <laughs> and the people that were there said, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The people said back to Jesus, you didn't ever need anything. We, we didn't do any of that kind of stuff for you. You didn't need anything. And then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is saying in this parable that when you see somebody who's thirsty, the one that's in need is Jesus. When you see somebody that's alone, that's Jesus. When you see someone in prison, that's Jesus. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. This is the other side of the story, right? For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hunger or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is hard, isn't it? The, the, the stinky person that's cold 
and you drove by in your car, Jesus is saying, why didn't you give me something to wear or some place to be warm? Why did you leave me alone? Why did you not do for me what I needed? That's Jesus' comment about your gifts and how you should be using them in gifted service and who you should use your gifts on. Now look, I've been coming to church all my life. If there's an excuse for why not to take care of somebody, believe me, I know it. Right? Why do we not give money to these people? Because they're just going to buy drugs and alcohol with it. that how small your faith is? But on the other hand, hand, I would have you turn to Proverbs 31. And before it talks about how good the, the woman is, read what it says before that. You know what it says? The Bi- I love the Bible because every time you set up some kind of structure you think you can hang your hat on, the Bible comes along and kicks it out from under your feet. It says, give beer to the one who's in sorrow. So I would tell you, if you've been gifted of God a hundred bucks, and you turn around and you give a hundred bucks to some person who is in need, and they buy beer with that, praise God. You were faithful. Do I think that's the best use of their money? Probably not. Do I think it's the best use of your money? Absolutely I do. Because it removes any false pretense that you're in control of this stuff. You're not. God has given you something. God wants you to use that for others. Period. The end. That's how this works. That's what it looks like to have gifted service. God has given me something, I use that for his kingdom. For people inside the church and people outside of the church. Now some of you, some of you are exemplary. And we should take your picture and put it down the hallway. Praising God for the way that you have used used the gifts God has given you for others. Hallelujah. Some of us really need to take a look in the mirror, don't we? This is mine. God gave it to me. I'm keeping it. Reminds me of the story Jesus told about the one who was given ten, and the one who was given five, and the one who was given one. And the one with ten used it and got ten more, and well done. The one who was given five used it. The one who was given one, he buried it and hung on to it. Where are you at in that story? What have you done with what God has given you for God's kingdom? For those around you. For gifted service. Value five here at the church is gifted service. We are committed to being the kind of people who reflect both the purpose 
and the personality of Jesus by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us for the benefit of others, both inside the church and outside the church. Some of you are doing a wonderful job of this. Some of us not so much. But here's the thing. This is not talking about us as individuals. This is talking about us as a church. What have we as a church done for gifted service? Some of you are very talented at implementing gifted service. We need you to help lead the church in gifted service. Come talk to me. Let's set something up. What does our community need? What can we offer? What has God uniquely gifted us as a body that we can offer to the community? Oh yes, this is not excusing any individual from this. This is how every one of us must live. But we as a church need to live this way. As a church, as a group, we've got to be involved in gifted service. What can we do? What does the community need? Maybe we join an already established ministry. You know, like there's the diaper thing and then the food bank. And, and what else? Or what else should we start? What's needed in this community? What can we help with? What can we start? What can we lead? What can we support? It's not just money. But don't ever forget, it's always money. Why? Because that's the quickest, easiest way to show where your heart is. The way you take care of your money. Is it mine? Or is it God's? Friends, I would tell you, hold on to your money loosely. It is a gift from God, and you should use it exactly the way God tells you to use it. This will change your life. Giving your money, the administration of your money, giving that to God. But it will also change your life about your time. I know it's important to watch TV. We all need to do that every day. Actually, I can't even call it watch TV anymore because it's important to have screen time. There we go. How about that? Because my grandkids, they don't watch TV. They watch videos on my iPad. When I play videos from my iPad on the TV, it's not the same for them. It's different. It's got to be on an iPad. Whatever you're watching stuff on, look, I know that's important. Really? How much? This is not to make you feel guilty. It's made to open your eyes about what you could do. What could you do instead of watching three or four hours every day with some kind of video? What could you do instead? Who could you love instead? I know you need time for yourself. Believe me, your tank has to be filled before you can give to others. It has to be. We as an organization have to be a place that are we going to live by this value or take it down and no longer live by this? What do you say? What kind of people do you want to be? What kind of rules do we want to live by as an organization? I say gifted service is important because God says so. We need to love each other 
to love our neighbors, to love God, to love ourselves. So we step into gifted service as individuals and as a community so that we can reflect both the purpose and the personality of Jesus by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us for the benefit of others. Jesus, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us. We thank you for the reason you have given us gifts. Jesus, come and humble us, that we lift you up, that we recognize how wealthy we are, how many great gifts you have given us that we have at our access and at our disposal to reflect the purpose and personality of Jesus to those around us. That we as beggars who have found a meal would turn to other beggars and say, here, let me show you a place you can eat. So Jesus, we, we consecrate all of this to you. All of these values we give to you. All of our resources we give to you. For your glory and for your kingdom, Jesus. We let you reign. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We let you reign in each heart and to reign in this body of believers, the Christian Center. We pray all this for your glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.